The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Well, we've got a very special guest here, Daryl Constantine, a 2024 candidate for the President of the United States. He seeks to move the US once again towards traditional Christian values in his quest to make America stronger, safer and more productive of conventional family values. And he's on the line here, of course. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, good afternoon, Toby. Thanks a lot for having me. I like that introduction. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, you're a very nice young man. What what country are you are you shooting at, by the way? I'm coming from the United Kingdom. I believe we have a special relationship. Yes, we do. That's terrific. Yeah. I hope yeah, it's going to still be strong with you. Oh, it'll be much stronger, much stronger, in fact, than it's been, because <laughs> we're going to be working together to encourage the good sides of uh, both of our both of our countries. Excellent. So why do you think you should be the president of the U.S.? I don't see anybody else doing what needs to be done. So in the absence of, of, of proper leadership, really, from either wing of the political spectrum in our party, uh, I've taken upon myself to throw my hat in the ring and, and do what, what neither side has been willing or or able to do thus far. And I believe you're a member of the Republican Party and aren't too happy with the leadership, etc. Are you going to be running for the Republican Party or the Democrats or neither? Oh, yeah. No, I've been I'll be running as Republican. Uh, you know, I, I do have certainly my my issues with them. And I think that there's a stark contrast between my candidacy and what we've had from the past. And and part of the primary process is to to have that discussion and to uh, elaborate on these topics to the American people. But, you know, I registered as Republican when I was 16 and got my permit, uh, even though I'm not happy with the party, it's always been clearly the, the, the appropriate vessel. And I think that, you know, we do have a we do have a party. There's sort of a two party system here in place that we've always had. And and uh, the party is very weak and and we have set ourselves up in a completely backwards direction. But at the same time, it also means that the party is ripe for a siege. We saw that with Donald Trump in 2016. Mm. And I think that the the clear pragmatic thing to do is to rather than to try and start some new offshoot party that would divide that that sort of conservative natural base to actually take what we have and to turn it into something meaningful 
and mobilize it towards reclaiming the country, which we have. And I've made this point for you know many, many years now that we've had many Republican presidents. We've had Republican governors, Republican Congress, all of these things. So the party has, is, you know, is, is competitive in terms of winning. But when you look at the flow of history, the platform itself is, is a losing platform. So yeah. we take the fact that we continue to win and to take these seats and take governorships and take the White House. But the thing to do is to actually implement a meaningful platform when we're there. So that's yeah. kind of one of the central reasons and, and themes of my campaign. And you'd know better than me, but I don't think anything's been confirmed yet in terms of Trump running again. There's been all sorts of rumours and whispers about it. But do you think he might be one of the people you'll be going up against for the Republican candidacy? Well, that's the the party is in a wait and see mode and everybody is waiting to see what Trump does before they, they do their own posturing. So I'm not waiting to see what, you know, what Trump does. I'm, I'm, I'm running the expectation. He's kind of the presumptive front runner, the presumptive nominee. The, the general feeling is if he wants it, it's probably his. Uh, I'm not sure if I really agree with that. I think that he's got a lot of issues, a lot of baggage. And I think that a lot of his so-called friends, people like Ron DeSantis, they're kind of hugging him. But but behind the scenes, they're, you know, they're clearly uh, planning their strategy for 2024. So I, I think we're going to have, as we usually do, a, a fairly vibrant discussion. And, and again, there's a presumption that he'll be certainly starting as the front runner, but he's not the only person that I'm prepared for. I'm prepared for Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, some of these other names, really anybody, I think that there's going to be a stark contrast between what we're offering, even Trump. And I've talked about this in the past before. The rhetoric is different. The behavior is certainly different than what we're used to from buttoned up conservatives. But in a practical sense, the policies, not really all that different. So regardless of who it is that we end up going up against, we feel very confident that we have the, the appropriate solutions. And really not only that, but we're going to be the really the only candidate that's offering real solutions to the real problems facing the American people. So if you get into the White House, what's going to be at the top of your agenda? Well, you probably know I me. Mean, first and foremost, we're going to get the LBGT stuff away from the kids. That's going to be item one. I've been very clear on that. That'll be kind of my, my one issue that I'm non-negotiable on. Everything else, taxes, these things, these are secondary. The first thing is we've got to go back to preserving the innocence of the American children. So That'll be my first agenda item, and that's really going to dictate and inspire a lot of the other things. So protecting children, that's going to be the the thing that we use to galvanize the people and mobilize the federal government around doing the types of reforms that we're going to need. But this is going to be far-reaching. It's going to include, obviously, academic sector. I think everybody understands that at this point finally, which is good. But we have the issue of corporate America and we have the issue of the entertainment industry. And we're going to need to provide much more supervision on both of those fronts. So those are going to be things that I'll be tackling from the executive level. Um, We're going to obviously provide a a lot of social reform. I've talked about this. We need a paternal government. We're going to be doing a lot of things to, to help put the family back together, to encourage the sort of traditional Christian family-centric society that we used to have Mm. when we were doing quite well. We're going to be doing things to stimulate and encourage that. So those will be some of the things in terms of the social welfare, social reforms. I think that we definitely, we need healthcare here. We're kind of the last developed nation that doesn't really have 
a proper socialized form or nationalized form of healthcare. So that'll be something, and hopefully that won't be too difficult because the Democrats have, have wanted that for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a talking about cleaning up the culture, a federal ban on pornography. That's one of the things that I've I've talked about for many years. We'll be we'll be doing that. Uh, we're going to have to look at, unfortunately, with the gun violence, we're going to have to really kind of uh, lift up every rock and, and look at all of the different factors and and address those because first and foremost, people need need safety and security. So those are going to be, I guess, some of the things that we'll be certainly handling. But but day one, you can certainly expect day one from a Constantine administration, mm-hmm. swift and meaningful action to safeguard the innocence of our children from the, the current globalist agenda. That's quite transformative. What is it about the LGBT things that you think is perhaps harmful? Well, I think it's harmful to influence the sexual development of children before they're old enough to have a sexual identity of their own. We want to be going back to um, sort of uh, certainly on the on the outside and on the fringes that there is liberties and things occur but but the social tempo that we need to be setting is is going back to a society that's encouraging things like chastity and uh you know uh, sexual education should be oriented around educating towards the values of of saving these things for marriage and looking for proper commitments and relationships for these things so this is kind of the tempo we want to be doing we want to be getting away from what we're doing currently which is we're we're kind of introducing five and six year old children to conversations that uh, you know this is just totally totally out of left field. So mm-hmm. I think that the question of you know why do we want to protect children from people that are desiring to impact their sexual development in, in perverse and deviant manners? I think that that's a little bit self evident as to you know why we would do that. I think the better question would be why in God's name have we been doing something like this? And you know I do because of the rhetoric on this is for me it's a, it's a pretty black and white topic and you know i do also want to make some allowance here for people because uh, people do evolve on issues and this is something that people are going to evolve on very quickly so mm. I, I do want to you know let people know like if you've been going in this direction it's okay to to pause and you know you can you can still come back from this we haven't come to that point yet where we're prosecuting on these matters so i, I would encourage people uh, to take a lesson from history, which is that, you know, nobody, I guess I shouldn't say nobody, there's always somebody, but generally speaking, people that we regard as histories of villains, they don't think of themselves in those terms. They mm. think that they're doing something good until somebody tells them they're not. And a great example of that in the United States is, you know, we had slavery, which everybody mm. has had slavery in all sorts of cultures. But in the United States, ours has obviously been very well documented. I think everybody he knows about that. And, you know, the slave owners, they weren't thinking that they were doing something that in 300 years people would be tearing statues down for, but, but they are. And, and this is kind of my message to people. I really step back from this topic, okay? Because I do understand that the impulse is we've been sort of uh, we've been trained to view this. We talk about things like manufacturing consent. We've been trained to look at this from the prism of this is loving and compassion. And, you know, I respect that that's the desire, but let's actually really step back. Let's look at this objectively and ask what we're actually accomplishing, because this is, again, this is a topic, this is going to turn and it's going to turn very quickly. So to anybody out there listening that may be still in that model that this is something that we want to push on children, 
there's still time to come back. And I want to articulate the reasons why so that we can invite more and more people to come to that side. Because again, this is not something when this turns, I don't think that you're going to want to be the last five to 10% of the people that are, you know, dying on the hill of pushing LBGT stuff on children. I don't yeah. think particularly men, I don't think you're going to want to be on that uh, that side of history. There might be some members of the LGBT community and allies that might be offended by this idea. So how are you going to win them over? And more generally, America is a big country with all sorts of different people. So how are you going to convince everybody to vote for you? Well, you don't have to. You just have to convince 51% to vote True. for you. Okay. And, uh, you know, I guess my thing is I- I'm not really interested in convincing people that think that pushing sodomy on children is positive. I'm not really interested in their votes. This is also a new thing for Republicans. So I'm not going to do the counterintuitive thing, which is to bend myself into a pretzel to try and get 0.0% of the vote, 0.02% of the vote or something of that nature. Uh, I don't have anything against adults that are living in this lifestyle. It's just for me, it's a matter of priority and the innocence of children. That's like, that's the top of my list. So this other stuff about offending people, this falls much, much further down there. And it would be irresponsible of me to uh, to alter what is a basic example of black and white, right versus wrong, to pander to any percentage of the electorate. In this case, it happens to be a very tiny uh, demographic. So electorally speaking, especially as Republicans, it's not really something that we need to be investing much of our political capital in. And, and certainly it's not something that I'll be doing. Uh, you know, again, I in people's lifestyles as adults, this is all well and good, but that line has got to be redrawn at children. We've really seen a, a blurring of that. And a lot of people that were sort of okay with this, with this notion of, hey, love is love and got into that cycle. Now they're rethinking it because they're seeing what the obvious consequence of this is of altering laws in this nature and the impact that that has on children. We're recognizing that, you know, okay, we don't want this. Uh, But the, the problem is, is then, you know, what do you do? And what you have to do is you have to go back to foundational laws like marriage. You have to redefine apparently marriage as being between a man and a woman because the arbitrary redefinition that we did to include same sex couples that that removed a legal barrier that children had, which was that we always historically understood that, uh, you know, the biological reality, which in this case is parallel to the scriptural, the biblical reality and understanding that we have, that a child is better served by a mother and a father, which is self-evident in natural biology. We've removed that barrier when we've equated these two relationships. So this is kind of precisely why things like marriage has always been that red line, because now we're actually not talking about, you know, uh, two adults in the privacy of their own home, which is where the conversation goes. What do you care what people do in their bedroom? I don't care what people do in their bedroom. When you redefine marriage, you're not about what's inside the house. Now, you're on the streets now you're you know now you're marching in the streets now you're having parades and you're welcoming children into these things so that's why that that firm line has to be reset now what kind of leader do you think you're gonna be are you gonna be inclusive are you gonna be easygoing are you gonna be dictatorial would you be instinctive (laughs) 
Well, I'll be I'll sort of be whatever kind history requires me to be, but I, I certainly prefer to be nice. I, I hope I'll be fun. Uh, I plan on playing a lot of football. I want to have Bolsonaro and mm. even Macron down. We'll start having some some White House <laughs> football matches. So, yeah. no, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I hope that I'll be a, you know a fun leader, but I think that the American people will will know that my priorities lie with protecting them and, and preserving their innocence. But you know, again, sometimes you've got to crack a couple eggs to make an omelet. Whatever mm. history dictates. I will do what needs to be done. But I think my suspicion is in the beginning, there's going to be a lot of noise because this is going to be totally new. People have never been told, no, actually, no, you're not allowed to do this. Actually, no, you shouldn't be pushing this on children. So you'll have a lot of noise. But after that happens, then people are going to sort of look around. They're going to go, oh, OK, yeah, so this is good. This is more of actually a return to normalcy, even though it kind of feels like it's a stark departure, yeah. because historically, recently, we've had a lot of insanity. But I think in terms of how inclusive this is going to be, I think I think people are going to be kind of surprised about how much of the American people actually do feel included in, in what we're doing. Look at me with my head motions. I'm slapping the table and the, the phone's <laughs> wobbling around. So, uh, but yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be mostly fun. We'll have some bumps in the road, but I think it's going to yeah. be a, a fun and, and positive administration and era for the American people. Who would you say has influenced your style? I get asked this question a lot, and it, it may be a little bit surprising. People will say you kind of sound like this person or that person, and like yeah. that's kind of all well and good. But I, I really, I don't pay too much attention to contemporary thinkers. Uh, I, you know, really. So if if there are some parallels, I think that what that speaks to is some foundational truths that are out there. And I think that that's something that, you know, maybe reaffirms something that of other people that are looking at things objectively are arriving at similar conclusions. But, you know, who's influenced me? I've been more influenced by, uh, you know, athletes. Uh, you know, I was asked in the prior, uh, prior podcast who one of my heroes is, and I kind of forgot my biggest one is Bill Belichick, the coach yeah. of the Patriots and the architect of the, you know, the Patriots dynasty, the level of integrity that he has uh, brought to that team and against a lot of media criticism and just a willingness to, to stay the course. So, uh, you know, I'm more motivated and inspired by people that are actively engaged in things. And really, our political dialogue is kind of it's pretty boring and it's pretty low level. So there's not a lot in the the American political conversation that's influential to me. I mean, I'm not one of these guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...that sits around reading books upon books. I, I wish I could be, but most of my... I, I, what I look to for inspiration is the, the perfect example of Christ. Of course, we can't, we can't reach that level. We just do yeah. the best that we can to get there, and, and you know, he carries us the rest of the way. So... So Christ, it, to me as a person, that's the guy that I've, I've been directed to look at for inspiration, uh, philosophy, like all of that. So he's that perfect example. And then kind of things I look to is just like, you know, uh, athletes, Romario from Brazil, Roberto Baggio, a lot of you know, Alexander Ovechkin, just always scoring goals. So people like that, these are people that have influenced and, and inspired me. Do you think American politics needs cleaning up? Yeah, I think it. I think it certainly needs cleaning up. I mean, these are these are softball questions, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think we can do a lot better. I think we can be much cleaner, much more transparent. And there are some really, really disturbing and concerning allegations that are out there about some of the things that have occurred behind the scenes, bipartisan manner from both parties. And, you know, I hope this stuff isn't true, uh, but I think that we want to certainly look at some of these things and we are going to have to open these things up. And a great example we have is with Trump and the stuff with the documents. And my general feeling on that is this guy's clumsy. So do I think that it's impossible that he did something illegal? No, I, I don't think that at all. Mm. I do think we have an interesting question about, you know, did the Clintons do anything that should be looked into? Did the Bushes do anything? And I think probably all of these guys have things that we need to look into. So rather than kind of playing the violin for Donald Trump, I think that as president, I'll be looking to, okay, let's look at these other administrations too. Let's look at the, the actions of the Clintons. Let's look at the Bushes. Let's mm. look more into all of these things. And, and if there are things in there that are of interest to the American people, uh, certainly we'll be, we'll be wanting to share those. And I think they're entitled to that. Mm. Now, here's a not-so-softball question for you. How are you going to solve the situation in Ukraine? Well, that's a, yeah, that's a, not a softball question at all. I think the first step will be to behave normally as a nation geopolitically. And I think that the United States, the rest of the world, I don't think they know what to make of us. So we sort of look very schizophrenic because one minute 
we've got this crazy orange man tweeting every five minutes. And then, you know, a few years later, we've got transsexual generals and, and, mm. you know, lesbians and soy boys running our military. So I don't think the rest of the world really has any idea what they're going to get from us. So I think it's kind of going to be good to come back and come back to some beet potatoes aspects mm. and to understand what's going on, to understand some of the concerns rather than courting nuclear war with a nation like Russia. I don't think that we want to be doing that. I think we want to step back and say, okay, what are the problems here? And I think you're going to find some interesting parallels because I think a lot of the tension in that region has to do specifically on some of these topics. Eastern Europe, Russia, they're one of the sort of last parts of the world where they've made it very clear on specifically this topic we don't want the sodomy pushed on the children. And this is when the geopolitical stuff kind of realigned against them. It's not really a continuation of the Cold War animosity between the West versus the East, although it does continue that historical trend, but it's kind of a reversal of what that energy is. It's not a, a right-wing hawkish aspect. It's a it's a left-wing desire to kind of take this part of the world that says, you know, no, we don't want to completely disorient, confuse, and humiliate our people. We want to preserve their identity by hook or by crook. And so we have a natural interest in obviously undermining that the way that we're currently aligned. And Ukraine is a very uh, useful puzzle piece in that sense, because it's this little country that's right next door with a tremendous shared cultural history with Russia. And, you know, we can sort of offer them all this money, come in with us, join our clique. And I can understand why Russia wouldn't want that. But I also don't condone, obviously, the the war actions, specifically with the loved ones that I have over in, in Ukraine. So realigning and then kind of saying, yeah, we're on the same page, actually. We actually want to go back to a more Christian, a more natural law-based global authority. So I think that we can reopen the conversation in that way and hopefully kind of walk back from, from where we are. I think that a big part is to say, look, okay, your part of the world is going to be okay. We're not going to bring this in. And another thing too is the formation of a new geopolitical alignment. So the EU to me has unfortunately become very rotten and corrupt and the values that it's pushing are very antithetical to life and so my sort of plan is to create a new geopolitical alignment based around christian values so probably countries like ukraine and russia maybe we can bring them in together into this new clique and say we're kind of now we're going to be on the same team together so nobody's feeling tension about who's coming over to, you know, to our side. We've had unintended consequences for, for both sides. I, you know, I don't think that Russia wanted millions of lovely Ukrainian women fleeing the country to parts of Western Europe. I don't think that that's the direction that they want. And I don't think that we've wanted our economy to just be completely destroyed. So it, we're definitely entrenched in it now. And from an interest perspective, even though Ukraine is in the middle of it all, it is sort of become the the ground zero for this conflict between a defiant traditional uh, part of the world and this globalist stuff. And, you know, they're kind of, I think that, I think that our, our missteps have encouraged them because it's actually benefiting in the sense that that the the air is being let out of the balloon of the American hubris. And I think that Russia is is in no rush to stop that. So a repositioning and a realignment is going to open this this conflict up 
and and hopefully to some more meaningful discussions and, and peace talks. That's a different attitude than what most of the world leaders seem to have at the moment. They seem to have this attitude of we've put the sanctions on and we've said strong words, but it doesn't fix itself. No, and in fact, and and what it has done, we're, we're sort of impaling our own selves economically because we're we've been kind of reducing our currency to monopoly money, and I think this is no small secret. And there's kind of this thing; it's like it's too big to fail, so we just keep going, 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 and everything is plugged into it. But then when you start telling people like, "Hey, we're not going to give you our paper monopoly money," that doesn't necessarily play out the way that you want it to, because yeah. then they say, "Oh, well, we actually don't care about your paper monopoly money." We operate in oil and real commodities, and in fact, you begin to encourage something that would be very destructive, which would be an actual moving away from the dollar as the global currency. So it's a game of chicken on a number of fronts that we're playing, and you know we're not really very well positioned to go into something like that. So, mm. and, and the whole way that we managed it pantomiming what we were going to do ahead of time. We, we told Putin we weren't going to do anything to stop him. We know if he does this and we think he's going to, we're going to issue him a very big speeding ticket. <laughs> and I think he said, okay, give me your speeding ticket and uh, you know, enjoy buying oil from other parts of the world and seeing how that impacts your economy. So yeah. it, strategically from every sense, it's been a blunder, which isn't surprising because the people that we've been appointing and the people that are running the show here in the United States are, again, as I said, uh, essentially lesbians and soy boys. And now we're going into topics of you know world war. These are serious topics. And, and, and this is not not a situation that plays out well when you're running off of those types of energies. Now, what about climate change? Is that a high priority for you? Yeah, it's not a high priority for me, but it's something that I am open to and I'm receptive to talking about. Uh, I've said this, I'm not a scientist. As I said earlier, I'm not Mr. Books over here. <laughs> so I don't have like a very strong opinion about this one way or another. I know that conservatives just, oh, it's all a big hoax. It's all a lie. And this or that. I have a natural interest in having a more beautiful world. So I, I like to see things that are aesthetically pleasing. I like to be surrounded by nice things. I don't want the world to be a big smoggy strip mall. So just on, on that aspect of it, it's of interest to me to have that conversation. And again, this is a topic to me where I almost encourage having a dialogue because this is a healthy thing to hear from a left wing. When we when we go into that fundamental thesis about a masculine right wing and a, a feminine left wing, this is a, a healthy thing to hear from the feminine side. Like, you know, hey, you're polluting, you're making the world ugly. Well, let's 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 encourage clean energy so that we don't use things up. That's a I'll hear that from from the ladies. You know, that's something that that's a dialogue that that we can have. That's that's on the table. I'm open to that. Obviously it's a financial question. We have financial realities about what occurs when we move to these things and and you know how much should we be encouraging these things especially in a time like right now when the economies are, are just completely in the sewer i don't know if this is necessarily the time that we want to be funneling trillions of dollars towards you know rushing to get get in these directions but it, just in a philosophical sense i'm not opposed to getting greener getting cleaner these types of things it just it, this is becomes for me it's not really a topic i spend a lot of time on because it, it becomes a math problem, really. It's the same thing like taxes. Yeah. I can tell you a rough philosophy, but it, to me, it's very irresponsible when politicians just 
come out with these plans like 999 or mm. or and just throw out some numbers this is a math problem and and this yeah, this is something where i want i want a room full of physicists that are doing the math and telling me at what pace should we be moving to these things so i i'm not going to pretend that that i as the president my job mm. is to set the tempo and it's it's a topic that is on the table it just warrants a, a serious look at that specialized information viewed through an objective and, and clear prism and lens. So are you going to rely on all your kind of advisors for all that stuff that you're not so sure about? Well, for things that involve math, I'm not going to sit there with a calculator at my <laughs> desk, right? So so in that degree, I, I, am I going to, on, on things of a spiritual nature of the well-being of the nation, uh, you know, these are not things that I'm going to be delegating to bean counters. And this is where the, the role as the president is to set the tempo to articulate to the American people the direction that we're going and why we're going there. So I'm kind of steering the ship. And then I've got people around me that are playing with other levers to let me aware if there's icebergs coming up on the horizon and stuff of that nature. So things that involve math, yeah, we're going to need mathematicians for that. Um, but the big picture stuff, this is not, this is this is stuff that the buck stops with me and defending children and stuff like that. That's that falls under under that side of it. So what are the next steps for you from today onwards? How are you going to get the publicity and make sure that you've got that candidacy? Yeah, so basically my my immediate strategy, I actually can't like formally file until after the midterms. So obviously everybody knows I'm running. I've been I've been sort of saying this for years, not a secret. Um, so right now it's just about about uh, articulating my message to the American people. I do have a little bit of an unconventional approach in that I'm not really too interested in courting either of the traditional right or left wing media outlets. I'm kind of bored and disinterested in with them. I'm more interested in just having organic conversations with real open minded people such as yourself and many others and building a sort of campfire of dialogue around that and growing off of that. And kind of the neat thing about the age we live in with everybody having podcasts and internet media and stuff like that, you know, I kind of had it in my head that I was going to drop like 250K or so to get this thing started. But I don't really see any need to do anything right now other than what I'm doing, which is communicating with people. And, and eventually, uh, God willing, that noise becomes loud enough that we start getting onto venues that are, you know, have a substantial audience. And then it becomes a little bit too loud for the parties to ignore. And, and the other side of this, too, is that the, the mainstream, they don't want to hear this message. So if I go knock on the mainstream door too early, they're going to say, oh, we got to get away from this guy. He's trying to actually solve the problems. He actually wants to do meaningful things. We don't want that. Let's put him on the blacklist. Instead, the plan is it's got to get so big that, you know, they can't really avoid it. Uh, so that's that's the sort of short term strategy. The long term strategy is when we get into the primaries to, again, draw that clear distinction on the stage between what we're offering and everybody else. And to say that, you know, Trump versus DeSantis and the, there's not this is this is that camp. And the Constantine is is something different and drawing that clear distinction. And I'm fairly confident that that'll that'll play out quite well for us when we get to the primaries. Yes. And just one last question. Do you believe 
that you will be the next president of the United States. Yes, I do. I do. And and I say that with all humility, um, but I feel very confident about what we're doing. Certainly, I, I can't predict the future. I don't know that only God knows future. But looking at things objectively, I think that what we're offering is is just substantially leagues ahead of what, what either side has been giving to the American people. So to me, it, it would be a little bit of a choke by me if I didn't get to the White House. That's yeah. kind of my feeling on that. Well, where are we able to keep up to date with you and follow all the programs? Constantine2024.com. That's that's it. I don't do the social media stuff. Just go to the website and just keep looking for me on YouTube and stuff like that. We're doing stuff every day. So there'll be new conversations popping up all over the place. Excellent. Many thanks for talking to us today, Mr. Future President. Thank you, Toby. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Throbbing Pulse of Sound, of sound. The Toby Gribben Show